Now I want to move into talking to my friend Heather, who's sat here so quietly and just listened to me ramble on. <laughs> which you've got to be used to by now from all the times that we've hung out and you've just listened to me hear myself talk. <laughs> I'm glad that you laughed. It was supposed to be funny. <laughs> um, but no, it's, it's important that we talk about the other side of the coin, right? And it is. It's important to me, and I know that it's something that you feel strongly about. So, you have a son. Yes. I, I don't want you to feel like you have to divulge his name or his personal information. You can call him Mikey if you want to. <laughs> um, but when, so when did you first start having trouble with your son? Well, actually, I have an older son that um, had problems. He's gay. Okay. And he came out in middle school. Okay. Which is very young. Um, at that at that time, mm-hmm. he's twenty three now, so I don't know, ten years ago. Or so how did you do with that? Because that was a long time ago. It was a long time ago. So and it was a different world then. It was. So it was. so how was that? Just dealing with that on its own. Um, I always knew he was gay. I was just waiting for him to realize he was gay. Okay. So okay. I had, so you were good with it. I was fine. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I grew All up right. with gay people. I have a no. Yeah, it doesn't bother me. Listen, you're preaching to the choir. I've, yeah. I have gay relatives. I've had gay relatives. I have gay friends. Right. I, I don't I don't harbor any kind of feeling. Listen, whatever Either. makes you happy. Right. Do your thing. Whatever makes you happy. So, Life um, is too short. But he had fought with depression and anxiety. Mm-hmm. And I felt at the time that I would not med- get him medicated. Because I believed that you have to have a, uh, you don't, your frontal lobe, I believe is what it is, doesn't mm-hmm. develop until you're like in your 20s, okay. fully developed. And I had a friend of mine in high school that had taken Prozac and she completely flipped out and took a um, paper clip and dug in her arm all the way up her arm mm. and so I was completely against medicating children sure. to be honest with you sure but then <clears throat> as time went on and I myself got medicated for depression and anxiety and PTSD um I married a, a man who is bipolar and so I think my younger son was just kind of bound somewhere or another to have some issues um, start off with him in school and he would do this whenever he got excited when mm-hmm. he was in kindergarten mm-hmm. so he would be like <sighs> like that and his teacher knows that that's something that autistic kids tend to do and there were other things obviously but that's the one that sparks in my mind because it's something I noticed too right away um, so the school diagnosed him with autism mm-hmm. He's high-functioning, so we don't have to deal with a lot of things, but he does have a sensitivity to water, Mm -hmm. to loud noises, to temperatures in the room, and really is bad with change. Um, So anyway, so they diagnosed him with autism in, I think that was in first grade, that they ended up diagnosing him with autism. So he's checking extra help in classes and stuff. Well, 
unfortunately, you know, I'm an alcoholic and addict. And I started using again. And me and my ex-husband were to separate. And I tried to give my youngest son time. You know, hey, I'm going to be moving out. We'll be living here and you'll be going back and forth and trying to get him used to the idea. Well, that caused some situation, I'll call it situational depression. Okay. Which, which is, makes complete sense. Your kid, your family's breaking up, you know. Of course, of course. Um, so we went through all that and I got treatment and now I'm sober. Mm-hmm. And you practice a 12-step program. Yay. 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 And that's where I met Joe. (laughs) And, uh, no, and so, as he got into middle school, well, actually, he started becoming, he wanted to run away from home. So, me and the school counselor talked, and she was supposed to see him, but it kind of fell through the cracks, and Jenna seemed okay. So we kind of let that go. Well, then, then things started getting not so good. In sixth grade, he hated us. And I'm sure some of this is just de- developmental stuff, you know. And we come in a tween. I hate that term, but it's true. Come in a tween. A tween? <laughs> a tween, yeah. Is that in it's between? In between teen? teenager and, and yeah, child, awesome. you're okay. a tween. Okay. And, uh,. Learn something new every day. Right? So, him not liking us isn't a really big deal. I mean, he hated us. And he didn't believe he had autism. And Mm -hmm. to make matters worse, my ex-husband didn't believe he had autism either. Mm -hmm. Even though he's been diagnosed by the school, Mm -hmm. he's getting help in his classes for autism. Mm -hmm. So, that was something that he was struggling with. That I'm sitting here saying you have autism. And right. his dad is, is saying not. So that so was, you guys weren't in agreement about, about his condition. Yeah, no. Which was causing conflict in him. It, it was. Okay. And, but I tried very hard not to... I tried... I tried to make him know that it's okay, that it, it wasn't something that was bad or something that made him different in a bad way Mm -hmm. it's just something he has to deal with you know like i have depression and anxiety and i'm an alcoholic and addict those are things i have to deal with right doesn't make me a bad person sure or not able to you know i try not to plant the seed that he would want let me put it that way right sure sure yeah well and i wonder like i wonder at some point where the line becomes there's not something wrong with you but you're sick or you have an illness. Well, Where does that become? Because kids don't want to have an illness either. No, right? they don't. I don't want to have the plague. If I'm a youngster, I don't want to. I don't want people to think I have cooties. Right. Right. Like, so that's a stigma in itself, right? Being sick, yes. or you know, people looking at you like you have cancer or some sort of contagion. Right. You know, versus a, a mental disorder. So how do we? I guess the question. A question would be how do we communicate to our kids in a way and and maybe you can answer this to where we don't separate them from their peers right and in the way that we look at them the way that we talk to them the way that we make them feel 
like you're just as good as any other kid. You're you're just as smart. You're just as lovable. You're just as funny. You're just as you know what I mean. At what point? How do how do we communicate that in a healthy way that there's not something wrong with you, but and we we dealt with that a lot when we got to the depression and anxiety. Mm. He felt more. The fact when he started to have to take medicine. Mm. So what happened was he had developed some very some things I can't mention because it would just I would hate someone find out who he is and and then them know something that's sure. super private about sure, him. Sure, sure. But he had developed some very odd behaviors mm-hmm. and started um, sleeping a lot. Um, was petrified to go anywhere. Mm-hmm. So we took him. What we did is we took him to this. So some depression type stuff, some fear, yeah, some debilitating I mean, fear. Yes, debil. I mean, just you know. We've we've listen, we've talked about that on this show. A fear is a fear is a mother. It is. It's a monster by itself. It is. So you know, I can only imagine as a young person dealing with depression and dealing with debilitating fear and not having tools or right. resources. I mean, we're grown and we're just figuring it out. Right. right? right. Like, I can't imagine no. being riddled with a debilitating fear at a young age and feeling alone in that or like people didn't understand. Right. No, that was, it, it was horrible. Um, the one thing me and my ex-husband do well is we actually, we actually get along really well now that we're not together. <laughs> That's good. Yeah, it is. And we both have the attitude that you know, we decided to have Jonah, and not that. Recently, we decided to have him. He decided to be born, mm-hmm. so we need to work together, which was really great because what we ended up doing was going to see this guy named Doctor Ella Barbara at Vanderbilt. Okay. And this is before medicine or therapy or anything. Mm-hmm. Um, he did a series of tests. Like two hours, not like physical tests, but you know, mental tests mm. and, and whatever they are, he did. And then he had us fill out questions too. So basically, that was to accomplish two things. One, so we had a clinical diagnosis of autism. Okay. Which you have now. Yes, which we have now. So now we all know he has autism, which... We, which so now, now your son and your ex are on board. Yes. And they're not deluding themselves right. that you're the crazy person. Right. Because I'm sure that you had to deal with that. Yeah. I mean, that was my perspective of what oh, you were yeah. saying, is that they oh, were yeah. teaming up against you. They were. That's how I would have felt. Like, I was getting teamed up against, and I was the crazy one. I just knew that my thing was, well, you're perfectly fine having the school assist him because he has autism. <laughs> Then obviously, you know. Right. Yeah. So as long as he was getting what he needed. Right. Right. And he did. He got a ton of support. They were so good. Good. Um, but it helped us do that. And if we found out he had depression, anxiety along with that. Mm -hmm. So the next steps were for us. We talked about it because I was still unsure whether I wanted to medicate him or not. Mm Um, but I've had depression my whole life and my ex has bipolar. So we both said that we both would have liked to have had help when we were younger. younger. Mm -hmm. And so we decided 
that we would go um, go to a psychiatrist and go to therapy because really one you can't really medicine doesn't solve everything definitely it just not. doesn't definitely not and we did our due diligence by making sure we had them tested we did our due diligence when we went and you know picked a therapist we asked him if he wanted a man or a woman mm. and, and got him what he wanted um so they started putting him i'm not going to remember what they very first put him on but <clears throat> i don't know are you medicated <laughs> okay it's okay so if you if you've ever had to switch medicines mm -hmm. or start medicines it's it's trial and error. Yeah, well, and you can't just stop and start. No. Right? Like, you have to ease into it, and then ease you have to ease off of it. Right? right. I definitely understand that yes. part of it. And it can Especially cause... dealing with psychotropics. Right. With with mental and, and mental medication and antipsychotics and things like that. You can't just turn it off. You can't. Because it will totally fuck up your brain screw chemistry. you completely, yeah. yes. And so, the first medications didn't work. And you have to be very careful because, especially in a... Mental medications can go one or two. It'll help you, it'll do nothing, or it'll make you suicidal. Mm. And so we had to be very conscientious of what was going on with Jonah mm. when we started the medications. Well, then he had a, a breakdown and a, an anxiety attack, and he had planned to kill himself. So he went into the hospital um into rolling hills and then so let me let me stop you for a second yeah because we just kind of grazed over that oh i did i'm I, sorry <laughs> no 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 and I, I and the only reason why i'm not going to let you is because i think it's important that other people realize that it wasn't that easy i'm sure yeah. that that was hard for you to wrap your head around and hard for you to accept and i don't mean to get you upset horrible. and i don't want you to get upset no um no for the sake was... of being helpful to other people um what was what was that like hearing hearing that your child wanted to take his life and i mean it's horrible um i got it because i've had suicide attempts myself sure i get that dirk it's like you know it's like it's like walking with like this thousand pound bag of rocks mm -hmm. and you're slowly going and there's this and it's dark and you're way down and you're going through mud and there's a pinprick of light mm -hmm. and that's all you can see mm -hmm. and it's not because at least for me it wasn't because i wanted oh poor me it was because you just didn't want to go on anymore i just thought life would be better for everybody else without me mm -hmm. so i got where he was mm -hmm. i got that darkness sure um and to know that i couldn't do anything to save him mm -hmm. was extremely frustrating. Mm -hmm. I was talking to, uh, just not to segue, but to relate. I was talking to a friend of mine earlier who's going through a storm, and uh, they were they were thanking me for being compassionate and for for loving them. And I said, I know what it's like to be in that darkness. And I know what it's like to be in that storm and to feel like it's not going to end. And I wish I had somebody there to tell me that it will pass and it will be okay. Yes. And soon you'll be covered in the sunlight. 
You just got to weather the storm. And I think that anyone who's been in that darkness can relate to that and relate to that loneliness and relate to that feeling like it's never going to end. Yeah. Um, and what I told this person was, I never want anyone to feel that way. So if this reaches somebody out there who's struggling with suicide, with suicidal tendencies, suicidal ideology, with not being properly medicated, with struggling with adjusting the medications, whether it be your children or not, or a loved one, um, there's help. And, there, and you don't have there to be help. alone. You don't have to go through it alone. No. And there are people who understand and there are people who will listen. And I'm going to put links to both Suicide Awareness, Suicide Hotline, and to my own personal contact information in the link to this video so that people have resources and can reach out because I think that that's important. Anyway. No, no, that's awesome. Yeah, no, there is help out there, which is, <coughs> which is awesome. I, it was hard seeing him go through that, but we... We made it through that, and he came out not hating us, so that was nice. <laughs> I certainly hated my parents. At right, some point right. I did my, too. I did too. I threatened to call <clears throat> children's services on my parents when they fought with me. Well, we didn't even fight. They just did something I didn't like. Yeah. I was such a brat. That wasn't a thing when I was a kid. We didn't call child protective services on our kids. Our parents kicked our ass. Yeah, my, my family was really, they, they were really If you called the police on your parents when you were a kid and where I grew up, the police would come and tell you that you deserved it. Oh, I'm sure. I'm <laughs> sure. I'm sure I would have been called an entitled little brat. I, I don't. I that's don't what I was, under, man. I do not understand the world today at all because kids could not call CPS. I mean, obviously in dire situations. Right. But if you just called your parent, called the cops or called CPS because your kids, your parents slapped you or because they punished you, it would have been a laughable offense. Laugh in fact, they yes. probably would have threatened to take you to juvie for making a false accusation. <laughs> probably. Probably. Lord have mercy. The world has changed, folks. The world has changed. Yes. So Jonah got on new medicine in the hospital. Mm-hmm. Then um, he ended up having some more issues, and we were continuing therapy in the psychiatrist. Um, then he went into partial hospitalization, and then he had more issues, and he ended up in partial hospitalization at Vanderbilt. Okay. Which is the first time we have some hope. <laughs> okay. Because we were kind of losing hope. Yeah. We were asking, look, we, he is he is saying he wants to die. He doesn't have a plan. If you don't have a plan, they won't admit you. Right. Right. So it's not premeditated. It's just, right. it's it's just, just talking. It's just talking, right. Right. So the first time we get hope is really when we took him to... Um, Vanderbilt and he did partial hospitalization and now he's on Cymbalta and kids with autism they're getting a lot of um, help with a, a medicine called Abilify mm. and it's really helping their mood and, and some other things that are going on Jonah um, and after that Jonah started cutting himself mm. And that... So this is, again, one of those things, right? Like, 
parents are dealing with this stuff. They don't know how to react. They don't know how to relate. No. They're, it's shocking. It's upsetting. They don't know if it's real. They, I, I have friends that are like, I, is it attention-seeking? Are, are they trying? I don't understand. Is my daughter trying to hurt herself? Or is she crying out for help? And if she's crying out for help, what can I do? Like, I, I don't right. understand how to respond to that call. Because and, I want to hospitalize her. I want to protect her from herself. I don't want her to hurt herself. So in that situation, what do you do? Well, I think you really need to rely on a therapist. Because we don't know what to do. Right. We really don't. Mm-hmm. You're a parent. You're just, you're in crisis mode. Right. Um, try to assure them if they'll talk to you. Sometimes, you know, my older son would talk to me about everything. Mm-hmm. I mean, everything. (laughs) What a blessing, right? Yeah, because it was great. So I could say, hey, this isn't reality. You know, this is this. Jonah won't, will just shut down. Mm -hmm. So really need to rely on therapists. I used to say, for me, if you're cutting where people can see it, in my opinion, this is just my unprofessional opinion. Mm -hmm. Based on... Based on my own actions and his actions. Your experience. Yes. That's where I was going. Yes. It's based on your experience. Based on my experience. With self-harm. With self-harm. I'm crying for help. When I cut here and on my legs and other places where people couldn't see. Mm -hmm. You were trying to fix something. I was trying to fix something. Mm -hmm. Um, I disassociate, so that's the way I come back into my body. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I have have another friend who... Who practices self-harm and it's how she reconnects to her feelings because she gets so disconnected. She gets so uh, disassociated with her emotions and with her feelings that, like you said, harming herself or cutting herself not only brings her physical pain and brings her back into the moment and back into reality, but it also gives her something to take care of and to heal and to mend. And in a way, it's self-soothing. Right. Because it's self-care, right? It's like the most toxic form of self-care that there is. Ever. Rather than spending time on yourself, giving yourself a bath, you know, meditating, getting your nails done, going tanning, whatever, going out for a girl's day out, whatever. Right. It's self-harm followed by, you know, medicating wounds and taking care of wounds and healing physically back to... Of a state of being intact again or being healed again, right? And it's and it really is. It's it's a form of self care, and people don't understand um, because they can't relate. And and that's the problem is that we're we turn a blind eye to things that we don't understand, or we turn our nose up at something that we don't understand because that's stupid or they're ignorant or they're just attention seeking or whatever. Weak, right? That's well, a lot of them. Well, and a hundred percent, right? They're weak minded or, mm-hmm. or whatever, and really, it comes back to disconnection, broken coping skills, and mental yes. mental illness. Yes, and that's why I say we fail so much with paying attention and really addressing issues we're fighting about who's dressing like a girl or a boy and said we should be taking care of each other and helping each other and helping each other to learn better coping mechanisms and better ways to deal with reality and better ways to deal with real issues rather than worrying about if somebody's calling themselves they or them 
it, it's, it's, it seems so silly to me, the things that we fight and argue about and we protest against. Well, it's like, it's like we... But we turn a blind eye to real issues. To real issues. That, that, are, actually, that are harming people and that people are suffering from yes. every day. Not that people aren't suffering from, you know, uh, gender identity or, 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 or anything like that. I'm sure that there are people who struggle and suffer with that as well. I just feel like mental illness is a much bigger problem. It is. And it's, and it's swept under the rug because it's foreshadowed by things like, look at this transgender woman stepping into the spotlight, all glitz and glamour, because that's far more exciting and drama and, 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 and talking, talking about people harming them. You know, so the, last, deal. the last time Jenna was in the hospital, um, there were 20 kids waiting to be, there were no beds for children anywhere except Rolling Hills. But we went, we churched in Kentucky, mm-hmm. in Jackson. There was no, in Middle Tennessee, mm-hmm. 20 kids were waiting for beds. Yeah. It's it's, it's a real thing. Yeah. Kids are, kids have chemical imbalances just like adults do. Yeah. You know, and, I'm not. And, and trauma. And trauma. And broken coping mechanisms. And, and lack of communication skills yes right like all of these all of these things that we struggle with as adults children are struggling with and they don't have the experience to back it up to have any sort of coping or 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 hey this does work out or this does this does end and something better does happen and and i have to tell you and this is my opinion so we're going to delve out of experience for a minute into opinion but my opinion is is that because of cell phones and social media and everything being brought from the internet right to the end user on the couch, right? Kids are now exposed to things that I wasn't exposed to until I was 16, 17, 18. We're looking at magazines and showing each other Playboy at my friend's house. You know, we're 15, smoking a joint, looking at nudie magazines, and these are nine-year-old kids looking at porn. Yeah. Looking at this video, that video, and everything is being publicized, and everything is being objectified. Women are being objectified. Sex is being objectified. Everything is being force-fed to our kids at such an alarming rate that they don't have any choice but to start coping and dealing with and processing things that their minds can't even begin to fathom or wrap around or comprehend and they have no idea how to talk about it because they can't talk about it with their parents and their peers have no experience to go off of or any kind of insight or wisdom to share with them so they're toxically raising each other with the internet and it's frightening it's very scary it's frightening and really it all starts at home and it all starts with parents and it all starts with parents being involved in what their kids are doing and what they're looking at now obviously the the ability to control that is out of reach like there's no way that you can control what your kids look at at their friend's house there's no way that you can control what your kids look at at school but you can certainly dampen how much exposure they get on their own devices at home and around the house oh, definitely. and who comes over and who brings things to the house and what they're allowed to look at by communicating with their parents' parents or with their friends' parents. 
Anyway, I'll tangent this shit in a whole other direction. <laughs> we can do a podcast just on that. <laughs> yeah, we can. Anyway, so you've got Cymbalta and Abilify. Yes. And, and, and you got him into uh, partial hospitalization, hospitalization at Vanderbilt. Yes. I'm bringing us back. Okay. Okay. And so then um, he leaves there. We think everything's going good. Uh-huh. And then he takes his box cutter and cuts all up his arms, all on his chest, on his shoulder. And so we take him to the hospital. Mm. Wait, there is a time before that. Okay. Hold on. <laughs> Sorry. That's all right. No, he had he had done some cutting on his on his knuckles. Okay. And I said, that's a cry for help. It's a cry for help. He wants you to see it. It's a cry for help. So he cut his knuckles. Cut his knuckles. You said that that was a cry for help. That was a cry Did you help. say that to him or did you say that to yourself? I said that to my ex. Oh, okay. And then we took him up to Vanderbilt mm-hmm. into the children's ward um, to be evaluated. Mm-hmm. And they met with us separately, and they meet with them separately, and they meet with you. Mm-hmm. And we tried to explain that we felt like we were going on a spiral, and he's going to hurt himself, mm-hmm. and we need help. Because mm-hmm. we don't know what to do. He's already been in, admitted into hospital. Right. He's been in partial hospitalization. Mm-hmm. So she says that they're going to put him in. So he stays the night there, and a new psychiatrist comes. Mm-hmm. And says, no, we're not putting him in because he doesn't have a plan. Okay. We're going to put him back in partial hospitalization. Which is, so So just so I understand, partial hospitalization is like uh, in, or outpatient. They go during the day yes, and then they come go home during, at night. Yeah, they go during the day and then come okay. home at night. Because I know that, you know, we do outpatient yes. with treatment the same way with drug and alcohol treatment. So a lot of times people don't get locked up in a rehab they'll go during the day right like classes and groups and then they'll come home at night okay and Vanderbilt was awesome okay second time was awesome he learned new new skills Mm -hmm. which was great so we come home we think everything's going well everything seems to be going well he gets these suicidal ideations again Mm -hmm. and this time he cuts all of his arms on his chest um on his stomach and we take him back up there. So just just to clarify my understanding of suicidal ideation, because I have a friend that I actually took a, a friend through the 12 steps of recovery. Oh. Dealing with suicidal ideation. So my understanding of suicidal ideation is that it is obsessive compulsive thoughts about taking your life. Uh, uncontrollable obsessive compulsive thoughts right. about taking your life. Um so anyone who doesn't understand that or can't wrap their head around that, it's literally having a one-tracked mind and not being able to think about anything but taking your life. And it hits people with PTSD, mm-hmm. specifically. Uh, a lot of, a lot of uh, veterans that suffer from PTSD or post-traumatic stress disorder uh, come back from war or come back from, from traumatic experiences with suicidal ideation, a lot of times it's survivor's guilt. They'll see a fallen comrade blown up or, or mm-hmm. killed in action, 
and they'll suffer from survivor's guilt and then they as a result of that they will have suicidal ideation and that was what my friend had specifically was a survivor's guilt uh, infraction and we actually worked at 12 steps and replaced alcohol and drugs with suicidal ideation and were able to I was able to take him through that process and he was able to have a spiritual experience as a result of working the 12 steps which is crazy that's awesome and I mean it's just it's just the miracle of, of having a, a higher power and a relationship with a, with a, a higher power and God right Anyway, I didn't mean to, to no, derail. No. I just wanted to clarify what suicidal ideation was like, for people yes. who might be listening who have no know. idea what that reference is. And this has nothing to do with his medicine at the time. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's on Cymbalta and Abilify mm-hmm. still. Um, we just, at this point, we had, they had upped the doses a little okay. bit. But that's not why he cut himself. Right. Um, so then they put him in rolling hills for 10 days. Okay. And we have been stable since he has come out of Rolling Hills. I I asked him if he... See, he didn't have a plan, but he now knows how to talk to the psychiatrist mm-hmm. and get in the hospital. Because mm-hmm. sometimes he wants in the hospital. He deals with bullying at school. Mm-hmm. He deals with lots of other things. Um, and I would imagine that that's ten times worse, suffering from... Depression, depression, anxiety, fear, uh, yeah. having autism. Yes. I'm sure that the bullying is, if it's not worse, I'm sure that it feels a hundred times worse. I'm sure because it Because you're, you're already a target, right? Like you're already... Yeah, different. So, okay, so he's had the episode. Yes. He's still on the same medication. Yes, just upped a little bit. But he has found sanctuary in being able to be institutionalized from time to time. Yes. And you're good with that? No. Oh, because I, I, I feel like I would be. Like, I would, I, would feel, I would feel like him having a safe place, and, and this is just me, I would feel like him having a safe place is, would be better than the alternative. I see what you're saying. I do. Um... Here's the problem. When okay. you, they go into the mental hospital, mm-hmm. it costs about three mm-hmm. to $8,000, which I'm broke. Sure. So my ex-husband has to pay for it. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, he doesn't have endless money either. Sure. He's not a millionaire sure. or anything like that. Well, I, I didn't realize that it wasn't like an like a, a insurance thing. It or, is an insurance okay. thing, but that's your... And they want that that's money. That's the copay. Yeah. The copay is the three to $8,000. Yes. So, so, again, here we are, right? Mental illness failing our country. We have children that need medical help, medical attention, yes. and hospitalization. Yet, even with insurance, we're talking about three to $8,000 for a temporary stay or a, a, an outpatient-type situation. Yeah, it's, it's just expensive. Yeah. And what I would like to see happen... Um, is for him to find a safe place outside of there mm-hmm. with people that he can... You know, he has friends, and he does talk to his friends, but teenagers grow. Growing teenagers... Sure. Up ...isn't... It, it just it just doesn't work that way. Right. Unfortunately. Right. Um, so my, my goal is eventually to have him 
feel good enough to be able to talk to one of us. Mm-hmm. Um, he does. You you've seen him. Mm-hmm. So he he does come out with me now mm-hmm. and then. Yeah, I um, love it when I see him. I love it when he comes. I, I do. It's, I love it. Like yeah. even even if even if it's awkward as hell for him and it's uncomfortable, he's trying. He is trying. Yeah. So we've had a lot of progress since his last stint in Rolling Hills. And your friends are a bunch of fucking weirdos. So. Oh, my friends are so weird. Yeah, yeah, definitely. So you're the weirdest. Hundred percent. Hundred percent. But that's why I always make it a point to say hello to him, yeah, and meet I him, and make that. him feel welcomed. Like I want him to know that I'm happy to see him. Yeah, he, he even if even if that. that's even if that's weird. You know what I mean? Like I want it. I want the big burly tattooed guy to make him feel welcome. Like I, I hope that that makes him feel it more does. safe. It you does. know what I mean? So it, it means a lot to him. It means a lot to me. Well, I mean, it's important. Like nobody wants to feel ostracized or left out, right? Like no. I've never, I've never wanted to not feel like I belong. Right. I so agree. it's important to me that I make other people feel welcome, no matter how odd they are. Now I will tell you, Joe. I I believe in mental illness I don't necessarily be medicated I am kind of with you there on the Ritalin and Adderall um, it's just it, you don't have to conform a person for a situation by drugs you know if they don't have some sort of chemical imbalance I feel like there's always going to be an exception to the rule like, I feel like it would be very close-minded of me to say you should never, ever, ever, ever give your child Ritalin or Adderall. My stance is try everything else in your power first. Right. Try spending time with your kids. Invest in educating yourself on, on focus exercises, on learning exercises, on getting physical exercise. I preach to people every week about getting proper exercise themselves. Go exercise with your kids. Get a bike and go bike riding with your kid. Yeah. Get better sleep patterns. Make it a habit for you and your child to get better sleep. Work on better eating habits. I talk about this every week. Listen, the last several episodes that I have done, this stuff has come up. And it's not me. It's, it's, the research is there. The solutions are there. When we talked about bad habits and forming good habits and bad habits, when we talked about physical strength and emotional strength and spiritual strength and mental strength, the things that came up for building and strengthening your mind and your emotions were proper sleep, proper exercise, proper food, proper diet, eating fresh foods, getting proper nourishment to our bodies. These things are miraculous vessels that we pilot around if we take care of them. And I can speak to that because I treated mine like a trash can for 25 years. So I've gotten much more uh, cognitive about how I take care of myself. And it just, it's in everything that I read and everything that I research and every topic that I talk about. Diet, exercise, and sleep are like the most important things that you can do for yourself. Being accountable, maintaining positivity, and working on emotional and spiritual development, those are the things that keep coming up. It's not I'm not making it up. Right. Like if you do the research yourself, like I said, I just searched, I Google searched like I do every week about what I'm talking about, and I look for medical journals and I look for research and I look for 
documentation that supports what I'm reading. I don't just click on the first thing that comes up. It's just so important, and, and it's not always the solution, and it's not the only solution, right. right? And like you said, you can throw medicine at your kids, but if you're not working on getting down to causes and conditions, and you're not working on better communication and better coping mechanisms, right? How do, how do we deal, when these feelings come up, how do we deal with them? Right. How, how can I make it easier for you to talk to me about it? Right, like these are the conver- these are the things that we need to be learning about is communication, and learning new coping mechanisms and learning better habits, yes. and especially in dealing with something that you don't know anything about. Like you, you're, this is just hitting you, and you're just kind of having to roll with it. So I can't imagine. Like I know that this has been something that you've been going through for a while now. Yes. So can I ask how long have you been? harm-free or incident-free? For me, personally, or for Jonah? Both. Both. Um, Jonah's been harm-free two months. Okay. All right. And personally, um, two years. So this is something that you've learned yourself how to cope with as an adult and how to deal with in a healthy way. Yes. And to come out the other side of it with better coping mechanisms. And learning how to identify your own triggers, right, and your own uh, responses, yes, and responding in a healthier way, especially without medicating with drugs and alcohol. Like that's the thing. I love when Joe Rogan says that. Like sober people deserve a cookie for dealing with this shit sober, you know. And uh, you know, we don't get that glass of wine. We don't get that. No, we don't. That uh, that joint, you know, that nobody sees us smoke with our with our friends or or or. The beers that we get to go have, or, or go, you know, the night to let off with the guys, or let off with the girls, it, we we just deal with it as it comes, because we don't have that off switch, yeah. and um, you know that doesn't make us better human beings by by any means, um, but you know we deal with this shit for real, and we feel all of it, and yeah, uh, and that's a blessing and a curse sometimes. Sometimes it really is. Well, because it, really it doesn't. Is. Life doesn't always feel good. No, no, it doesn't. And uh, <laughs> you know, we spend enough time hiding in the shadows and hiding from ourselves that uh, that's why this is so important to me. Because I feel like a lot of people struggle, and a lot of people struggle with everything that we talk about with drugs and alcohol, with self harm, self medicating. But no matter what it is, right? right? Like people can medicate with all kinds of things. Oh, shopping, and I do that. Shopping, sex, mm, yeah. gambling. Yeah. I mean, pretty much anything that gives you some sort of a rush yes. right, can be used in excess to deal or cope with our feelings. So I'm glad. I thank you so much for coming on. Oh, well, thank you for having me. Uh, I, definitely, definitely. And we should definitely talk about other things because I'm sure that there are other subjects that we could talk about. I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, but, you know, when we got to talking that day about different topics and specifically about medicating children, uh, it dawned on me that you had been going through this and that you had a much different take and a much different experience. And it, as passionate as I am about my side of the conversation and as strongly as I feel about it, it definitely opened my mind to the exceptions and to the importance of medicating children uh, on the far, you know, on the other end of that spectrum, 
we're talking about kids that are hyperactive and kids that are have mental illnesses mm-hmm, totally. and mental disorders and and yes. broke broken functionality that needs assistance. Can I just say that for anybody struggling with their children, do your due diligence, get them evaluated, get therapy, and then if you're if you're still uncomfortable and not ready to go to a psychiatrist, get therapy. Get them diagnosed by somebody who does multiple tests Mm -hmm. so you can feel comfortable with a psychiatrist Mm -hmm. and get on, you know, decent medications. Have those conversations with your kids about, do you feel suicidal? Do you feel different? How do you feel today on this medication? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It just... It's important. It is important. important. It is important. They're suffering. Well, and and it's important that other people know that they're not alone. Right? right, like that's what this is all about. It comes down to if you're out there and you're struggling with a child who has mental illness and you don't know what to do, there are resources, there are places that you can go, there are people you can talk to, and there are people who are going through it and have gone through it before you. And reach out, reach out to any of the resources that I put in the comments below. Reach out to myself. You can reach out to me. I get teased about my email because I use email and nobody uses email anymore. Um, I'm not cool enough to, to be using Instagram or Snapchat. I, I, I don't do that either. I'm, I'm sure I don't have that point, kind of time. I'm sure, right. Right. Like I have, a, <laughs> I have a full-time job and a full-time life. So it's learning other apps and, and media is just spins me you out. You put my email. I'll give it to you. Okay. So, so you definitely have resources. You definitely have places you can go, people you can talk to. Uh, we're going to make some of those things accessible to you. Thank you for tuning in. This has been We Are Apes Development, Episode 11, about medicating children. I'm Joe Morato. This is my friend Heather. I don't care what you say about me as long as you talk about me. <laughs>